Help defend the church by becoming a supporter of 1 Peter 5. Your tax-deductible contributions enable us to continue our work to restore Catholic culture and rebuild Catholic tradition. Make a real difference in the church. Go to 1peter5.com forward slash donate today. You're listening to the 1 Peter 5 podcast. It is a real joy for us to welcome you all here. Rebuilding Catholic culture, restoring Catholic tradition. Today in America is Thanksgiving Day. Think about it. A national holiday dedicated to the virtue of gratitude. And gratitude is a virtue. In theological terms, gratitude is a moral virtue. Moral virtues are those which take the appetites and perfect them. Take our desires that move us and inspire us toward action and orient us toward pursuit of what is good. Gratitude falls under the moral virtue of justice. Justice causes us to respect the rights of others and to give them what they are owed, what they are due. Gratitude is a form of justice insofar as it allows us to recognize the benefits, the good things that we have received from another. The famous Roman orator Cicero wrote that gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all the others. You see, a man who is ungrateful for the good that he has is unlikely to pursue what is good for its own sake. The ungrateful man is morally blind. In a world that's fallen so far away from the cultivation of virtue, you might think that gratitude would be more neglected. But it's a surprisingly popular virtue these days, and not just in a religious context. Be thankful for what you have, writes one modern-day sage. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. Was this a priest? Was it a nun? Was it a pope? No. No, it was Oprah Winfrey. You see, if you look at any self-help or fitness website, read the writings of any life coach or wellness expert, you will find praises of the virtue of gratitude as one of the surest means to happiness. A report on National Public Radio this week covered a study on just how important gratitude is, both mentally and physically. A positive mental attitude, they say, is good for your heart. It fends off depression, strength, and anxiety, which can increase the risk of heart disease. This according to Paul Mills, a professor of family medicine and public health at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. Mills specializes in disease processes and has been researching behavior and heart health for decades. He wondered if the very specific feeling of gratitude made a difference too. So we did a study. He recruited 186 men and women, average age of 66, who already had some damage to their heart, either through years of sustained high blood pressure 
or as a result of heart attack or even an infection of the heart itself. They each filled out a standard questionnaire to rate how grateful they felt for the people, places, or things in their lives. It turned out that the more grateful people were, the healthier they were. They had less depressed mood, slept better, and had more energy, says Mills. And when Mills did blood tests to measure inflammation, the body's natural response to injury, or plaque buildup in the arteries, he found lower levels among those who were grateful, an indication of better heart health. At Forbes magazine, Erica Anderson wrote, I find it fascinating that we have here in America a designated day to be thankful. It implies that on every other day it's normal to be apathetic, dissatisfied, and disappointed. And many people seem to think it's somehow gauche or naive to be too grateful. I actually overheard a 20-something guy in the subway today say, I don't know what there is to be thankful for given this insane world. That sentiment is not uncommon. She goes on, Gratitude is simply the quality of being thankful. To get in touch with what this feels like, remember the last time you narrowly avoided a bad consequence, braked just in time to avoid a car accident, got an all-clear on an important medical test, caught yourself before taking a very bad fall. You feel a wash of adrenaline, and then a heartfelt thank God even if you're not religious. You have an immediate, crystal-clear sense of how fortunate you are not to have crashed your car, not to have disease, not to have broken your neck. All at once, you appreciate being alive and whole as the gift that it is, a fragile and wonderful state of affairs, something for which you are profoundly grateful. When you're in a situation like that, you realize that ordinary life is more than worthy of your full appreciation and thankfulness. You know suddenly that all the things you usually think are necessary in order for you to feel fulfilled and satisfied, wealth, power, true love, more stuff, world peace, are truly icing on the cake. That would all be great, but oh my God, I'm alive. Avoiding a real threat to life or limb makes you realize that feeling grateful is not actually dependent upon having achieved certain things. Again, this is supported by research. Gratitude is closely related to happiness. People who feel gratitude on a regular basis self-report being happier. And many studies show, for instance, that happiness is not dependent on income, social position, or age. Researchers have found that some people simply approach their lives with an attitude of thankfulness, and some people rarely feel thankful at all, no matter how wealthy, powerful, beautiful, or healthy they may be. I would add that people who are grateful not only seek out more successes, they draw successes into their lives. When you are grateful, others like to be around you. Your appreciation includes and supports them. You help them to see the positive elements inherent in daily life and to feel more hopeful about the possibility of future success. This again from Forbes magazine. There is a financial expert, confessional writer, and life observer that I sometimes read by the name of James Altucher. He's an interesting guy, and he certainly does not fall 
anywhere near where I do on the moral spectrum. But he also says that gratitude is incredibly important. In fact, he terms it a muscle that must be exercised. Why am I totally dead broke again, writes Altucher. That's what I thought the last time I had started a business that failed. I had no income. I had just lost a bunch of money investing in my own business. I was in danger of losing my home. I was in danger of losing a marriage I eventually lost. And I was bitter. Why, once again, am I here? I had made and lost millions. Couldn't I have held on to one damn dime just once? How many times do I have to repeat this cycle? People say, go play with your kids. They'll cheer you up. No, they won't. I would look at my kids in these moments and think, how the hell am I supposed to pay for them, let alone play with them? It starts with the question, how did I get here in the first place? I know the answer, at least for me. I wasn't grateful for what I had. Else I would have treated these ephemeral things, money, love, health, happiness, with better respect and worked harder to hold on to them. Among the advice that Altucher offers for those who wish to practice gratitude, even in the midst of deep struggle, are these daily practices. List all the negative situations in your life, he writes. Think of at least one reason why you are grateful you are going through each experience. There's always one reason, or you're lying to yourself. For instance, you can be grateful that overcoming this challenge will make you a better person. If you can't think of one good reason, then come back tomorrow and try again. At the very least, you can say, thank God I'm alive and can try again. List the good situations in your life, or else you will take them for granted. Try this. Be grateful all day for everything you look at, no matter how small. Altucher also warns about the dangers of not being grateful. He says, if all you do is hang out with criminals, then eventually you'll become a criminal. It's natural. If all you do is hang out with people who are wealthy, then eventually you will be wealthy. What does this have to do with the spiritual muscle, the gratitude muscle? It's the same thing with thoughts. If all of your thoughts are about poverty and anger, then that's where you will find yourself. There's no way to avoid it. Your subliminal wish for poverty will be automatically granted. This is not some law of attraction or secret. Unless you win the lottery, there's no way to be rich if all you think about is your impending poverty and your anger towards it. I've never met a successful, wealthy person who was constantly angry and bitter about how poor they were. Never. Whenever I meet an older person who has built up their wealth and stayed that way, usually what they talk about are the people they are grateful for. Grateful for people who gave them a chance. Grateful for the lifestyle they're now living and so on. I have met many wealthy people who lost it all by not being grateful for what they had. They started cheating on their wives, on the IRS, on their partners, and they lost it all. Isn't this, isn't this the truth also in our relationship with God? You see, we are here. We are alive. Every morning when we open our eyes, we have an opportunity to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for another day. Thank you for another chance to love more, to live better, 
to serve you more fully than I did yesterday. Do you do this? Do you remember? Because I often don't. See, I wake up and immediately begin thinking about what is it that I need to do? What do I want out of my day? Even if it's just bacon and coffee because I wake up hungry. What the pressures are that were weighing on me when I went to bed, they're still there when I get up in the morning. I've tried to cultivate a habit, at least, of making the sign of the cross when I open my eyes, saying some prayer to the effect of, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I hope in you. Jesus, come to my aid. Jesus, this day belongs to you. But I also need to remember to say, Jesus, thank you. There are circumstances that help us to be grateful, but they require awareness. I don't know about you, but I'm almost always staring into some kind of a glowing screen to the chagrin of my family and friends. I'm always reading about something that's happened, often something horrible, and then thinking about how I need to react to it. What do I write? What do I protect my family from? You know, but if I just throw my phone across the room and get my eyes elsewhere, just watch my children play, I feel gratitude. If I take out the trash and I don't bring Facebook or Twitter with me on the walk down the driveway, I find myself taking a deep breath of the crisp air, looking up at the sun coming through the trees, or if it's night, at the stars overhead, and just thanking God that I get to live among such beauty and wonder. I am a worrier. That is what I do. I worry about money. I worry about work. I worry about society and the church and the evils that face us. I get up every day and immediately reach for the weapons of battle, and it's how I view life. It's a battle. But then sometimes I look around me, and the things I often find so many imperfections in or reasons to complain about, sometimes I look at them and I realize how good I truly have it. At my home in the beautiful woods of Virginia, at my gorgeous and amazing wife, who never stops giving of herself, never stops working to make our lives better, never stops putting up with me and my thoughtlessness and my absent-mindedness and my distractedness. At my seven amazing children who are so smart, so beautiful, so creative and full of life. It is not an exaggeration to say that I am not deserving of such gifts. How can I not feel gratitude for what I've been given? How can I forget? One night, um, about a month ago, we had a bonfire. My son Liam, who is two years old, came outside with me, and he was wearing a coat and shoes that he had found for himself that were several sizes too big for his little body. He stood on the deck with me, looked up in the sky and said, The stars are beautiful. The stars. Beautiful. In that moment, my appreciation for him, for the truly gratuitous gift of such a a life, a life with such fire and humor, standing there under the dazzling canopy of the heavens, it was almost too much to bear. St. Teresa of Avila writes, In all created things discern the providence and wisdom of God, 
and in all things give him thanks. St. Gianna said that the secret of happiness is to live moment by moment and to thank God for what he is sending us every day in his goodness. St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote that out of gratitude and love for him, we should desire to be reckoned fools. You see, gratitude may be a virtue that is appreciated by even those who are far from God, but it only reaches its fullness when he is the object of our gratitude. I'm not thankful to the oven for the delicious apple pie I will enjoy later on today. I'm thankful to the lovely Mrs. Skojek who made that pie. Just so, I'm not thankful to the universe for the stars, but to he who said, let there be lights made in the firmament of heaven to divide the day and the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years to shine in the firmament of heaven and to give light upon the earth. Though I've never heard it mentioned in the context of contemporary liturgical theology, the Church teaches and has always taught that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass has four ends or purposes for those who assist at it. Adoration, atonement, petition, and thanksgiving. We adore God. We worship Him. He is above all things. He is before all things. He is the Creator of all things. We bring our sins to Mass, and conscious of our fallen nature, we should be even more conscious of the gratuity, the utterly free and literally undeserved gift that is the Son of God made man, who suffered and died so that we might have eternal life. O happy fault that merited such a Redeemer. We petition God asking him not just for the temporal things that we need, but for the spiritual graces to be worthy sons and daughters, worthy apostles, worthy tabernacles for our Eucharistic Lord. And we thank God, for as the Epistle of St. James says, every best gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no change nor shadow of alteration. God gives himself to us undeserved, often unappreciated, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Some make jokes, and not undeservingly, about how only in America can we have a holiday where we offer thanks for the things that we have, then follow it up with a day where we go act like animals in the stores so we can have more, as if we don't have enough. And it's certainly true that materialism represents a form of ingratitude. On that front, Oprah got it right. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. Thanksgiving is not just about stuff, though. It's not just about personal prosperity or comfort or the blessings that come with living in a place where we have so many opportunities for a good life, though it should take all of those things into account. No, it's about the gift of existence and salvation and the incarnation and the passion and the resurrection and the mass and the sacraments and the opportunity to be happy with God forever in heaven because that's why we're here. Thanksgiving is most commonly associated with the Puritans, but Catholics have been making Thanksgiving a part of their daily lives 
since the beginning. Catholics, those fortunate Christians who have been given the grace from the Father in heaven to see the church that Christ established as the fullness of truth, have more to be thankful for than anyone in the world. We have been given baptism, a rebirth of water and the spirit in which we die with Christ so that we may share in his resurrection. We've been given the privilege, the honor of receiving the very body and blood, soul and divinity of our crucified Lord into ourselves so that we may become one with him. We have been given sacramental confession so that our sins may be washed away. We have been given confirmation that we might be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to become strong and perfect Christians and soldiers of Christ Jesus. We have been given holy matrimony, not just natural marriage, but sacramental marriage, covenantal marriage, and the graces to live it until death. We have been given the sacramental priesthood, the sharing by those men who have been called into the one priesthood of Christ, whereby the saving mysteries of the church are made present among the faithful. We have been given the church's anointing at the hour of death to save us from Satan's power and send us home to the new and eternal Jerusalem. We have been given the papacy and apostolic succession and the promise of indefectibility so that we may be safeguarded from error that would lead us to eternal damnation. We've been given scripture and holy tradition. And we've been given the mother of Jesus as our own blessed mother and queen of heaven to console us and to intercede for us in all of our trials and needs. We have more to be thankful for than anyone. And our gratitude for these things will bring us happiness, not just here, but in eternity. From all of us here at 1 Peter 5, to all of you, I wish you a happy, blessed, and grace-filled Thanksgiving. You have been listening to the 1 Peter 5 podcast. This has been a production of 1 Peter 5 Incorporated. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. Please remember to visit us online at www.1peter5.com. That's www.1peter5, all spelled out, all one word, dot com. You can join our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash 1peter5. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash 1peter5. If you feel we've provided you with something of value, please hit our donate page and make a contribution. It not only helps pay for web hosting and the fine content we provide, but keeps food on our tables, coffee in our cups, and the lights on, which really helps us see what we're doing. Until next time, I'm Steve Skojak. Thanks for listening.